Pizza Noir by Denver Day, Book 2, Chapter 22. Bad day at the office. Monday night slash Tuesday morning, Smith and Thompson bunked at a seaside motel instead of driving all the way back to Tacoma in the middle of the night. They had to go back out the next day anyway. The two walked to the tavern next door to their lodging after they checked in and dropped off their bags. There were just a few patrons, a few pool tables, a few screen doors, a jukebox. The place wasn't intentionally nautically themed, but as form follows function, it was steeped in its own unavoidable seaside culture and pathos. They ordered a couple of loggers and sat on their asses for about an hour watching the sports news on the tube, speculating about and questioning their arguably tenuous forensic role in the ocean. One way or another, there was one more day of it. And if nothing turned up, they could just go back and pound sand at home farther inland. We might have better luck hunting them than fishing for them anyway, Smith said. Cheers to that, Thompson answered him. The rain continued through the night, and the Tacoma boys walked through it to the diner next to the tavern next to their motel when breakfast time came. Round after that, they headed back to the dock and met with the crew. Today's plan was for the Coast Guard staff to dive the area where the Blint Mary was found floating, crewless, headless as it were, full of dead monsters and sharks and a number of its crew's body parts. By 8 a.m., they were back out again on the water with the same crews yesterday, again headed north for the last known living location of the Blint Mary's crew. The divers were ready with their scuba gear, and it was into the drink with them after the interim captain killed the diesels and anchored near the mouth of the Juan de Fuca Strait. The dive team returned about a half hour later. Crewman Smith, there's all kinds of shit down there among the logging. That cigarette boat we saw yesterday, or certainly one like it, is down there, smashed but fresh. We can crank what's left of her up from this deck right here and now. Beyond that, there is some commercial fishing gear down there, too, but it may or may not be relevant. Of course, some of that stuff might be the Blint Mary's. It's hard to tell. The crew prepared the gear for raising the evidence from the floor of the shelf. Thompson and Smith took up a rod from the boat's tack room, and with some coaching from the captain, they wet a line while they helped keep an eye on the water around them. About noon, they ratcheted up the smushed-up cigarette boat using one of the deck cranks and set the little wreck down on the deck. There's not much left of it, pretty much just the engine and the engine compartment. What hadn't splintered and been carried away with the current, the salvage itself would have been much longer than the lion's share of it that they had raised if it hadn't been so obliterated. It looked like it had been hit with another bigger vessel or Bigfoot or who knows what. <coughs> Godzilla, as they... All stood on the deck, considering the seemingly blunt and recent demise of the fag boat. They were all suddenly knocked to the de- to the deck, as the Blint Mary suddenly took a sucker punch of her very own. Another jet boat had nailed her port side, and she was on while everyone was dealing with the cranks and the and the salvage, and she took on water and immediately began to list, and it was immediately clear, even to the land-loving detectives, that she was um, likely probably seemed to going down. The three diverse divers went to work on the lifeboat apparatus. Everyone on board was already wearing life vests. <clears throat> a moment later, there was a gunshot, then another, and then another. Smith started putting rounds from his sidearm into a uh, Wolfson bitch that had boarded the damaged side of the boat. The captain also broke leather and 
Thompson followed suit. Smith's target fell but kept flopping around in some kind of uh, seizure slash breakdance death rattle tantrum. And the captain grabbed a fireman's axe that was hanging at the boat's muster area outside the cabin and removed her head. But it took several strokes, indicating that their flesh must be more sinewy and grisly than some regular animal or persons would be. Then another one jumped over the port side wall, and Thompson put five hollow points right into her. And then she also started flopping and flagellating about the deck where she fell, and the captain finished her off with his axe as well. And Smith ran across the deck and peeked over the port side, and then again quickly ducked and yelled back that he could see uh, one more in the in the uh, offending boat. He moved low, about ten yards from his position. Smith did, where he had looked over the edge and then crouched, waiting, and all three men waited for the third one to come over the side from their positions. But when she came over, despite Smith's having moved, she came over right on top of him, swinging a glisten, glistening double-headed axe. And he shot four times before she reached him, and she came over top of his head, but she still managed to plant that axe into his back from above and with a fury. Then they both crumpled, and the captain ran over and ended up into the writhing of the third fury. Thompson followed to see that Smith was quickly bleeding out. It was obvious he wasn't going to make it. And listing and sinking fast, the Blint Mary was thus doomed. 